0: Welcome back to the wise man's page. It's the daily podcast where we read a page of the wise man's fear and then talk about it. This is page 744. That is because for us, speaking is private, intimate, facial expression too. And this, she pressed her fingers to her throat, the warmth a voice can make, the emotion it reveals, that is a very private thing. And nothing carries more emotion than music, I said, understanding. It was a thought too strange for me to cope with all at once. Vashet nodded gravely. A family might sing together if they are close. A mother might sing to her child. A woman might sing to her man. A slight flush rose on Vashet's cheeks as she said this. Only if they are very much in love and very much alone. But you, she gestured to me, a musician. You do this to a whole room full of people, all at once. And for what, a few pennies? The price of a meal? She gave me a grave look. And you do it again, and again, night after night, with anyone. Bashet shook her head in dismay and shuddered a bit while her left hand unconsciously clenched in rough gestures. Horror, disgust, rebuke. It was rather intimidating, getting both sets of emotional signals from her at the same time. I fought off the mental image of standing naked on the stage of the Aeolian, then moving through the crowd, pressing my body to everyone there. Young and old, fat and thin, rich, noble, and penniless commoner. It was a sobering thought. "'But play lute is the 38th position in the Ketan,' I protested. "'I was grasping at straws, and I knew it. "'And sleeping bear is 12th,' she shrugged. "'But you will find no bears here, or lions, or lutes. "'Some names reveal. "'The names in the Ketan are meant to hide the truth "'so that we may speak of it without spilling its secrets to the open air.' "'I understand,' I said at last.' But many of you have been out in the world. You yourself speak a Turin beautifully and with much warmth in your voice. Surely you know there is nothing inherently wrong with a person singing. You have been out in the world as well, she said calmly, and surely you know there is nothing inherently wrong with having sex with three people in a row on the broad hearth of a busy inn. She looked me in the eye pointedly. I imagine the stone would be rather rough, I said. She chuckled. Very well. Assume they had the use of a blanket, too. What would you call that person? If she'd asked me two span ago, when I'd been fresh out of the Fae, I might not have understood her. If I'd stayed with Falurian any longer, it's entirely possible that having sex on the hearth wouldn't have seemed odd to me. But I'd been back in the mortal world for a while now. That's the page. My name's Nick.
1: I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. I like this page. It's just sort of like laying it out really neatly. And I, I enjoy that. I appreciate that it's just like th- there, there are several ways to look at things and here are some ways. And I also feel like Vashet is stating that Vashet feels a way about it, but also that they understand that other people don't feel that way about it, which I think is great communication.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of metaphors in this chapter. Vashet is very good
2: at weaving these metaphors and helping Foth understand. And I think, Jordana, something that you've kind of identified about Vachette's character. I think she's she's very much like a well-meaning Lib, she knows that it is de classe to be rude about someone who does this, especially because Quoth doesn't know any better. But she can't stop herself from feeling the deeply ingrained cultural prejudice. She basically says this like a couple of pages from now, but it's it would be like a parent being like, "Oh yeah, I have no problem with gay people, but I sure hope my kid doesn't turn out to be gay."
1: Yeah. So Vasha is stating her prejudice even though she's also acknowledging that that prejudice does not exist elsewhere.
2: Yeah. And I think that the, the metaphors that she uses as Nick say, like they communicate really well to quoth the, the depth of the prejudice that people have, the depth of the cultural taboo. And as I was saying yesterday, I think that also helps us reflect on the, the way that we think about like sex and sex workers and maybe, you know, do a little, you know, it might provoke the reader, especially if they come from a more conservative background to kind of think about, well, I mean, what is so bad about having sex with three people in a row on a hearth? Is there anything than, inherently other than wrong the rough with
1: stone, that? Of course. Exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> is that the takeaway you think most readers get from this?
1: I don't, I think a lot of people miss it.
2: I don't care about stupid readers. I care about me. (laughs) I think that that's something that seems really clear to me on this read of this sequence is that in in framing the discussion this way, I think that it is really easy to kind of, to play the Uno reverse card on yourself and think about, well, hold on. Why do I have these prejudices about people who do this kind of work or about people who enjoy this kind of thing? What, what real logical reason is there for the prejudice? And the answer is there isn't any.
1: Yes. Also something that I like about this part of the book that I think speaks to the series as a whole. And I think, and this is why I think a lot of people miss this is because like, there's a, there's a reasonable number of people who are in the, like, close to Mary Sue. I don't like this book for for reasons to do with Quoth, And I feel like those people are kind of missing the forest for the trees. Or whatever that, that idiom is, it's that. It's that idiom. Like, they're not realizing that the book isn't just about Quoth. it's about all these other interesting concepts. And that's also why it doesn't matter if it ends, because the journey is what we're here for. Which is why it doesn't matter if the third book comes out or not. We're all going to be happy if it does, but it's totally fine if it doesn't because we're doing the journey and the journey is fun.
2: Jordana, I was so with you right up until you said
1: that. I know that. you, I know. I, I know. I, I knew I would lo- I would lose you when I went to the, the thing about the third book.
2: <laughs> As I have heard it from people who don't like this book, they just can't get past the fact that Kvothe is a precocious youngster who seems to be good at lots of stuff and I think that if that's all you're taking away from this book then you're not reading it correctly in the sense that like you're not actually paying attention to
1: all reads are valid but not that one
2: (laughs) like I've never believed that and I'm not going to start believing it now because that's that's an incorrect reading of the book and I think you'd have to be willfully you'd have to be looking for that to be the case in order to read it that way I think you're you're robbing yourself of all the other stuff that this book is doing in addition to the fact that i think kwoth is a much more complex and interesting character than that if i didn't think that i wouldn't like this book either going back to our previous setting here but i think that there's an interesting
0: line equivalence being drawn between the voice and the body like the the adam feel about the voice the way that kwoth's culture feels about the body and like the things that one does with it and i think that's Interesting and again an interesting kind of metaphor. And I can't help but wonder if rather than emotion they're trying to hide, if there's something some deeper magic to voice and to singing that they once were privy to. Not to turn this into a crackpot theory, but we know that, you know, stories and music have power. I think it's very likely that the Adem and the Edemura split. The Adem do seem to be hiding, so I can't help but wonder if their culture sprung out because they're all about like keeping silent and not saying certain things and not singing certain things. And if they have this taboo and revulsion to singing, you know, because it, it originated in like a way to keep something safe, that's kind of the little... If I haven't made that clear yet, that's kind of the kernel of the theory that I'm nursing, to make a terrible
1: metaphor? Yes, I think that is an interesting kernel. And I look forward to the popcorn.
2: <laughs> no, she's a military colonel. You know what, Jordanet? We're only going to get that popcorn in book three. So we better f- get it. Oh, uh, oh, but... go. go <laughs> <live> <laughs> That's right. Somewhere else. Voice on, <laughs> on your own petard. But, Nick, yes. I completely agree. I think that there is something to the fact that the ADEM's cultural taboos are all about expressing oneself with one's voice. Uh,. And I think that simply on the subject of intimacy, I, I think we learn so much about like what the M, what like an intimate family moment for an M family might be like. They don't treat sex that way, but sing- they treat singing that way. That's a really like one of the joys of fantasy fiction is when an author can can make a culture feel like fleshed out and three dimensional and spark your imagination and one of the way techniques for doing that that also allows the author to comment on us and our world you know the the world we live in is to take a cultural idea or a cultural taboo or something like that and invert it, right? Have a culture. This is a crude example, but I think it's an example that showed up a lot in kind of like science fiction of the sixties and seventies. Like what if we lived in a crazy topsy turvy world where women were in charge of everything and men had to work as secretaries, you know, that wouldn't that be crazy. And like that, that's like a, you know, a pretty broad example, but, that was a popular kind of trope in science fiction for a while. And I think that it was serving a useful point, like a useful purpose in illustrating the ways in which sexism is crazy and pervasive and makes no sense and makes everyone's lives worse. And like, that's, that's one of the central uses of science fiction. Like one of the things it's so good at is holding up a mirror to our world through the lens of someone else's world. Get taking it back to my, original point, I think that is something that Rothfuss is able to do because he has given the ADEM this this interesting cultural inflection.
0: Well, I think one of the, uh, or a critique of the ADEM is that they are doing that. They are in a topsy-turvy science fiction world where men are subservient to women. Uh, so I think that's... <laughs> extremely relevant that you brought that up because i think that's a little bit of what
2: roth is exploring here
0: i don't think that's a negative thing
2: yeah i think that's cool and good personally i i can't see why someone would have a problem with it
0: honestly it is it is cool and good and it's fun but it's just funny that you bring that up as like a bit of a ham-fisted science fiction concept while we're kind of in it we haven't really learned that yet that uh, hasn't really been on the page but
2: we know that because we've read it before. well i mean and that's that is often the like the difference between a good science fiction idea and a bad idea isn't necessarily the idea itself, but how it's executed. Right. And, you know, even giving those ham fisted stories, you know, more, some credit. I think when, at the time they were coming out, they were quite revolutionary. Yep. And now we get, what if me man was a phone, which is uh, the, the best. <laughs> <size function idea. laughs> at its heart. What if phones, but too much is a good idea. But there are ways to do that idea, like, better or worse. And sometimes the same show can do both of those okay, things. Okay, I sent
1: a tangent, and I have a note. Um, so I'm, I'm butting in. Bashette blushes a little bit when when talking about all this. But also adjacent to that, uh, and sort of unrelated on the page, but uh, Bashette talking about the Poet King a lot. And I feel like poetry is, like, not, it's not music. But you don't not use your voice for poetry. Like you read poetry aloud. What if And
2: it conveys emotion?
1: Yeah, and poetry can be emotional. So what if the poet like was reading poems to Vashette and Vashet was like, ooh.
2: Yeah, I think no, I think that's uh that might well be the case. She might be reminiscing
1: about her sweet times with the poet king. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but if you think about it in in like the terms that she's trying to convey to cloth, it would be like describing to your friend like the time you went down on your lover, right? You know, that's that's the level of intimacy she's describing.
1: Yeah, I suppose that's not the, thing, the kind of thing you would be inclined to tell just anybody.
2: <laughs> no, if any, like if you were going to tell someone that it's probably someone very close to you, right? I think it's useful to like kind of have that framing in mind when we think about it because she might be thinking about her what you know an incident in her past or she might just be describing the act and that's making her blush but I kind of like your reading
1: I think but bo- yeah both things terribly valid I enjoy both options
2: terribly valid
1: yes as as the kind of person who would definitely blush while talking about like sexy times of a specific nature I understand how Vachette might blush while talking about musical times of a specific nature
0: Indeed. Well, I think that that's a very good catch, Jordan. I think she's thinking about her poet king, who has been top of mind recently. I think she's thinking about a time that she sang to her poet king.
2: So you agree with Jordana's initial reading?
1: Oh, I. You know what? I had not. I had thought about the poet king doing a poem like aloud for her. I never considered that she might sing for him.
0: Oh, I think she sang for him. Yeah. yeah, what she says is a
2: woman might sing to her man.
1: Oh, that's true. Oh.
2: Yeah, she brings up the Poet King a lot. Actually. I just
1: assumed because he was the poet, he would be the one reading. <gasps> what if he wrote a poem and then she read it or sang it? Anyway, I don't know. <laughs>
0: is that very romantic? It's like a team effort thing. I don't
1: know. <laughs> okay, I'm good. That was it. That's all I got.
0: All right, then we'll save the longer letter for tomorrow. On the next page. Oh. Uh, the
2: way. Way. Oh, I feel so naughty singing in front of all these people.